Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Polaris Studio. Here is Ryan Tutel and Coulter Nuanez. Bruce Barnum, head coach of the Portland State Vikings football team. Joining us here in a moment. Happy to be with you on this very nice Tuesday afternoon. Hope you are having an outstanding day. Thanks for being with us on your radios, on your televisions across the state. If you'd like to listen live, you can go to the stream. The stream's available all the time, 1029ESPN.com. It's brought to us by Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. If you want to listen on the podcast, do that anytime you would like. Wherever you get your podcast, the Tutel Nuanas podcast is up. As soon as the show is over, it's available all the time. Go revisit the whole catalog. It's available thanks to Blackfoot. Coulter, uh, Bruce Barnum is one of our absolute favorites. No question. Um, I am very happy about the challenge that he presented to the rest of the league, which you'll hear at the end of this conversation that we had with him today. Uh, Anything that nets me things makes me happy. Uh, So we will uh, will get to that as well. When you talk about Bruce Barnum, what's the thing to you – what is the single thing that you think that he is best at as a coach taking into all that is – being a Division One college football coach. Well, this is it's funny because Bruce Barnum certainly has a persona, and he definitely puts on an act a lot, and he's a ham, and he's really, really funny. And it, it is a part of him. I mean, he's a very fun-loving guy. He would be tremendously fun to play for, I think, because I think that he has the ability to directly connect with people. He's one of the most thoughtful coaches I've ever dealt with. I mean, he he remembers all sorts of things about you, about your life, but I think he's like that with all his players. He's a very likable guy. Also a very good leader because I think he does have great vision, and I also think he thinks about uh, opportunity, not disadvantage. And so I think that's why he is the perfect guy at Portland State because there is some huge obstacles there. But he never sits up there and bemoans all the things that's wrong with Portland State. He always just talks about all the things, that, all his ideas of how to overcome those things. But when you talk, so I think that his ability to relate to people in general, not just players, but just people, I think is certainly um, a strength. But I think that 
sometimes he comes off as sort of a comedian, and so you don't take his football acumen seriously. Exactly. Bruce Barham is one of the, one of the great offensive minds in the league. Period. Yeah. And this is a great offensive league. But Bruce Barham, when he was the offensive coordinator under Nigel Burton, Portland State's problems had nothing to do with offense. Yeah. They basically had a two prod head coach. Bruce Barham ran the offense. Nigel Burton ran the defense. They were running the ball down people's throats. They led the country in total offense two years in a row, and they just missed the playoffs one year, and then they had a losing record the next year because the defense couldn't stop anybody. But he's then evolved that. I mean, he took elements of the offenses that he ran at Idaho State, and then when he did his little East Coast tour with stops at the U.S. Coast Guard as well as Cornell, and then he brought that back and he meshed it with a lot of the – concepts that Nigel Burton brought from Nevada, having coached under Chris Alt for all those years. So now you have spread and up-tempo plus pro-style elements mixed with pistol elements, and he's continued to evolve that. And when you watch Portland State's offense, they always have a four- and sometimes five-headed monster at running back. They always have a great athlete at quarterback. It's just a matter of how steady that guy can be. When you have a steady guy like Alex Caressa, you make the playoffs. Davis that Davis Alexander, he's knocking on that door. They had a little bridge there. We had some, they had some erratic guys. They couldn't quite find it. But they always are going to have an explosive athletic quarterback. Uh, they're always going to have a, a four-headed monster at running back. They're always going to be good up front. But all the stuff they do pre- and post-snap, it's very creative, innovative, and I think it's really underrated. They are a really hard team to prepare for both sides of the ball. But I think that Barnum, people kind of take his – colloquial nature, the way that he expresses himself and is always trying to be funny and joking, and they don't realize that the guy is an incredibly smart offensive mind. They always produce on offense. It's a matter of they can stop anybody on defense, and that's going to be their challenge again this year. It's our Opportunity Bank Coach's Corner. Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. Please enjoy our conversation with Portland State Vikings head football coach Bruce Barnum. Well, we go now to the Rangage Brothers RV phone line, and we are happy to be joined now by the head coach of the Portland State Vikings football team, one of our favorites, Bruce Barnum on the line. And, Coach, uh, weird time. We all know it. How are you doing? How are you holding up over there in uh, in Portland? Well, you know, game changed uh, on us on this one. Um, I was lucky enough to get 14 out of 15 spring balls, so I should have worked both Montanas this year, don't you think? Uh, yeah, I think I, I only played one this year, so, so look out. How many did he get in? Do you know? No, zero. Yeah, see, I'm ahead of him. <laughs> I'm ahead of Joe. You'll be sweating now, but well, well uh, let, let me ask you about that very thing, Coach, because you 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 did start really early in February, and you got the kind of you know climate to be able to do it there in Portland. How much of a benefit is it? How much how much of an advantage is it to have gotten basically your entire spring in? And many schools didn't get any. Well, how I see it, two things. Number one, uh, our a lot of our evaluation uh, that you do in the spring is done. You know, I, I saw some good things. I love my gel bags, yada yada. My D line looks good, but um, and I caught up to the playoff teams. You know, they practice longer than we do. Uh, if you're in the playoffs, uh, the farther you go, and a lot of them were in the second round this year. Uh, the more practice time you get while we're out recruiting. So I caught those practices up. So I call us about even right now. It's been interesting because, you know, Hauk started early and got about half in at Montana. Choate last year, they had such bad weather in Bozeman that they got half their spring ball canceled because the facilities guys just couldn't get the field clear for snow purposes. So he decided to start late. He was going to start March 30th, and it all got called off a week before then. But the fact that you guys did start early, I mean, what was the strategy behind that? Because obviously you didn't know this whole pandemic thing was coming. But, I mean, you obviously wanted to get it in soon. Why? Why did you guys decide to start so early? 
Well, we're different. I finally figured it out, guys. We we're on quarter on a, on a quarter system, so our summers are really short. And my guys weren't. Uh, I wasn't getting what I needed out of the weight room, uh, so we went earlier, so we can have a longer, uh, you know, lift in between in the spring into the season otherwise we would lift we'd go spring ball we'd lift and you know finals and we'd lift for four more weeks in season we weren't growing so that's that's the main reason i did it and the second one a little more minor but if anybody got banged up you know i got a chance of getting them back going that early you mentioned, you know, a couple of the position groups that you like and so forth and so on, but when you take a look at your team early, I know especially for the young guys, what are you most excited about just what you see coming out of the spring that you did get? Well, offensively, I mean, the, the Grizz fans, Bobcat, Nace, everybody would be looking at my tailbacks going, God, we want those guys. Um, they're legit. I got three, four guys. I'm bringing another one in um, uh, that should help us run the football. A good running back can make an average all line, you know, look like all Americans. So I was excited about that. Defensively, we're bigger up front, we're stronger, and we have numbers finally on the defensive front. Um, those are the, the two high points I saw. You mentioned the running backs because I think that the big skies, especially the skill positions, the, the receivers and tailbacks, when it comes to recruiting, a lot of times you can get guys that are. A baseline talent level maybe better, bigger than the big sky, a Mountain West caliber guy, or even maybe a flirting with a Pac-12 borderline, Pac-12 type guy. But a lot of times those guys pick places like Portland State or Northern Arizona or Montana or Montana State because they can have elevated opportunities. And we've seen it at the receiver position particularly the last several years, but also running backs too. I mean, Choate went and pulled Isaiah Fonse out of Washington, Washington Gatorade Player of the Year. But you mentioned you got some great guys. I know Sergio Hoffman, really talented kid, but you got a whole bunch of other guys too. But the fact that you guys do it by committee, how do you get big-time recruits like that to buy into then maybe splitting carries but then having a hand in a rushing offense that's going to be so productive overall? Well, uh, since I've been here, they, they, number one, they talk to the tailbacks that have been here. Um, you know, since I've been the OC, and they, they tell them, you're going to get your carries. If you're productive, you do the right thing, you're going to get your carries. Between that and how much we'd like to run the football, you know, um, they, they see their chances. I had the McCaffrey kid who got uh, ended his career in Grizz uh, third quarter uh, in Washington Grizz Stadium about 20 feet from me. Uh, with an Achilles, but I gave him too much probably. He was getting over 30 carries a game, and I was, you know, all he did during the practice week was drink Gatorade and sit on a couch. But it was too much. You have to split that many carries. A a kid can't carry the ball 30 times. So we go by committee, and we mix it up that way. I've got some big guys, you know, that are going to thump you, that don't want to run around you, and I got a couple skitter backs. You know, we're going to cut and jump and act like, Oh, that little guy for Detroit that retired early. And, you know, I've got a mixture coming at you as a defense. Well, even back to your days when you were the OC at Portland State before taking over as the head coach, I always loved how how much you guys could to mesh modern-day football and the spread elements as well as then being super productive on the ground, prioritizing the run game. Take us through just that evolution because you guys have maintained an identity of always wanting to run the ball over the last 10 years, but also – have been able to play fast, been able to play with some spread elements while still making a priority of pounding people on the ground. How do you make all of that work? Well, it, 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 combine it, 
you know, playing game, making sure you have the, uh, you have to look at your team number one. And it's all about, you know, who you have as student athletes. If we have this, if we lucked out and got this recruited tailback or these guys at receiver, um, that kind of told us how we're going to go into the year. Then we'd put them up on the board. Okay, who has to touch a ball this season? Uh, if you had a big old check mark and you're on the front of that list and everybody voted for you, you know, we're going to gear it. Okay, we're going to run the foot. To get him the ball, we do this. Um, that's kind of how you lead into each season. Um, it's on your recruiting. Uh, our recruiting kind of gears that. I love to run the football, but I also love five wides. You know, when I, my Idaho State days, when we had that flat indoor astroturf for no win, uh, we, we were chucking and ducking. Now that gets you in trouble. Uh, sometimes, uh, but it, it's fun football, and you can score fast. So uh, just kind of combine that, uh, getting a touch of the you know the old pistol and all that hoopla that all got going, and how fast that ball hits you, and it, it's essentially you're defending the triple option. But then, bam, same personnel. We're going to be out five wides, four wides, yada yada. It's fun. It's a fun system, but it runs on the kids. You know, you can run just about anything if you have the right player. Bruce Barnum joining us, the head coach of the Portland State Vikings. And Coach, Davis Alexander was a, a, a guy that I thought showed just tremendous toughness throughout the course of the season last year as a really good player, too, in his own right. How how big is it to have a guy like that that you know you can rely on at the quarterback spot coming back for you? Oh, it's huge. Uh, it's huge. You know, that's good and bad. I do think he's one of the toughest, you know, NCAA football players in the nation, uh, but that's also a negative thing. That means that means our whole line is not quite protecting like you want the Mighty Vikes to do. Uh, so um, he's tough. He's fun to have back there. He, he can do what we need to do, but uh, and he's a smart football player. Uh, he, he's confident. Um, he knows you know coverages. He sees the field. Everything's slowed down for him. So. Um, he's fun to watch. He gives us a hell of a chance on Saturday. And pairing this offense then with the defense you guys have been running for the last couple of years, what do you like about that mesh? Because the flex defense you guys run, it's unique. It's hard to prepare for. It's like nothing else in the big sky. And I know when it's been rolling, you guys have given teams fits, particularly in Missoula two years ago when you came in here and upset Montana. So, I mean, what do you like about the way that that complements the offense? And what do you think of the scheme overall? How, how close are you guys uh, to, to really having that thing down now in year three running it? Well, that's the one thing about it, culture. It gets better every year. And if they have you dialed up, if Byram's got you dialed up in that thing, because uh, there's certain ways to attack it, and the kids know how they're going to attack you. You know, you have to do some man schemes, some pick stuff out of the backfield. you got to throw the ball deep. Now, if that's working and you have us dialed up, that's where we're going to pull a little 18 this year. I've been talking with Byram in the offseason. We're going to have a plan B. Um, and be able to stop that because if we do have you dial up, it's going to be a long day for your offense. If we don't, there's too many big plays uh, that we had last year. We, we have to uh, get rid of those. Well, Coach, I know that uh, coming back to the present here, the offseason is always the offseason, but this is a very unique offseason, obviously, already. How were you just going about logistically, uh, you know, dealing with the circumstances at, such as they are, being on the phone and stuff, and then just filling your time in general, trying to get ready for the season that we're still, you know, are expecting and hoping is coming? 
Well, the communication with the kids is obviously unique. We're trying to find everything from Zoom to Skype to telephone to email to Barnum's weekly letter to our my different coaches' weekly videos to the kids. And uh, we're trying, trying to stay in touch. What, I, what I'm concerned about, I'm not concerned about the majority. I've got about 12 guys um, who don't like to go to school when they're on campus. You know, and sure enough, about nine of them, uh, day one of online, we're, we're not online. So, you know, that's our focus a little bit. And our academic people are doing a heck of a job. Uh, just trying to keep them rain because I need them on the field. And, and it's harder now because I can't have them here, you know, corralling them and making sure they're doing their academic appointment and chasing them down. It, it's hard now. Uh, but that's the football and the communication, what we're trying to do best. Um, uh, the, the time at home away from the computer and the phone, um, we're busy. You know, Cooper, uh, we, we had a bit of an emergency. Governor Inslee shut down all the boat ramps. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, oh, no. Oh, I'll tell you what. That's when it hit me that the, the country does have an issue. And, but we made the best of it. Um, a couple things going on. We just built a pitching mound. It's Major League Baseball certified for the young kid. You know, uh, that was a, a good project. And you're you're uh, talking about your son Cooper, who's a senior uh, baseball player, headed over to Washington State, but he, he's not getting now his senior year officially. So you're trying to put something together for him so he can still get his work in. Uh, we are. You know, he's a stud, right? He came home, and actually, his season in school was just his senior year, and I got to go back. We found that out yesterday, so that was a disappointment, but. You know, I like his reaction. He said, all right, um, will you help me build a mound? I said, sure. We got that done. He said, I got to get ready for Wazoo. He said, I'm going to be a Friday guy. I'm not going to screw around and start right now. I guess guess high school's over. You know, so I liked his attitude heading into it. But, you know, I still have to shock him once in a while. Believe it or not, Coach Barnum uh, joined Coop back in the weight room that we built that we put together in the back garage i don't mind the weights guys but i, I got on that thing my wife said i got to get on the elliptical <laughs> i don't know why you two are laughing cause I'm sure <laughs> but that elliptical you know that's for uh, anyway well, here's my goal i'm gonna look like choke and i'm gonna look like, <laughs> like the mighty hulk next year and I'm going to run out with my football team. Can you imagine that? <laughs> about, Let's go, Bruce. You know, at no time like the president, you might as well go for it. I'm doing it. You know, think about the opponent. If they see me running out with my football team, it'll be a shock. We'll get the first quarter. We should be able to get up by 14. I'll be saying, Coach, Coach, Joe, what the hell's going on? And he won't know. But I don't know. It's Marty, I don't know what the hell he did. So... Well, I love it. Well, another project. Yeah, no doubt. Well, you mentioned the, the training your son's doing now on his own and so much of athletics, especially when you talk about the college level. I mean, there's so much structure. There's going to be so many activities that you have to participate in, but so often the guys that can really take their game to the next level are the guys that put in work on their own. So how do you go about navigating that part? Because like you said, you fixed a lot of the offseason stuff for you guys. You had the guys in the weight room getting stronger, but uh, now so much of the training, whether it's player-run practices or, you know, any sort of weight training in the off season, it's going to be on the guys themselves to get it done individually. How do you go about motivating them and keeping them engaged? We've been, uh, we've been talking that every day. 
you know. Um, I wanted to get them bands, send them these bands that we used to use when our kids went on a ship in the summer for the Coast Guard. The big sky right now is barking, told me I can't do that. But I think it's going to be kind of a Darwinism deal with every team because you do, you're you going to have a, a your core guys is going to do it no matter what. If they're here on camp, they're going to get ready for this season. They're going to prepare themselves. But then you have the guys eating sandwiches, you know, and, hey, you know, Barnum's business, yeah, so you're at the lake, you know, sitting on a launcher. Those are the ones that concern all of us, you know, and uh, what can we do? We put out some challenges with them. We've set some goals and, you know, some rewards dinner-wise, you know, occasional meal when you get back um, if you do these things. But it's hard because you can't keep track of them. You don't know what they're doing, you know, minute to minute. So um, that's going to affect all of us. And that's going to be crucial to camp when you come back. You know, it might be more of a boot camp than a football camp. Have you thought about that aspect of it, Coach? Like, we, we don't know when when the coming back happens, but we expect that it will happen. But you also, it's going to sort of be like day one of taking over a program in some ways, right, where you kind of all of a sudden you pull the, the, the curtain back and see what's behind it. What do you, what do you think that's going to be like when this reconvenes for you? Well, uh, hopefully a, a, an easy transition, but it's all depending on what they're doing right now and, you know, what our academic people are doing right now and, and what our guys are doing that we just talked about motivational-wise and lifting. So um, there's some unknowns, you know. Uh, there's some unknowns. You might see it early in the season, you know. Um, you might see it affect some football team. That's what I think. Heard uh, those early games, games one, two, three. Uh, you might see some teams, you know, that, that surprise you uh, because they did things right or more of their – team did things right so i don't know there's a lot out there that uh, we're all trying to figure out well assuming it all come comes back and, and we're rolling through football season back to normal life which we're all hoping and praying for when you first took that job at portland state it was sort of the first couple there was a couple years there where it was almost the new big sky you had portland state getting a seed in the playoffs you had southern utah winning two championships in three years. You know, UC Davis tasted a championship. Cal Poly, multiple playoff appearances and tasted the championship. A lot of the non-traditional powers uh, had made their way into the postseason. And now this last year, it was sort of a full circle back to the traditional powers with Montana and Montana State both getting seeds. I know Sac State was a surprise, and so that's maybe another sign of the new Big Sky continuing. Um, but now, you know, like you mentioned, four teams made the playoffs, four teams got buys. There was four teams that finished in the top eight of the final rankings. What do you think of the landscape of the Big Sky, and how hard does that make it on Portland State when you do have uh, not only the old contenders and the new, but also the new contenders, and now pretty much everybody's a contender? Well, it, 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 recruiting number one, weight room. You know the things that have been taken away from us right now. So is that going to make the the playing field even more level? You know that's a question out there, or. You know, you're right. It did kind of swing back to, you know, the traditional as far as what it used to be. Um, but I think you're always going to have your, especially if they take four teams, and especially the, the uh, I think this team still, or this league still, there's so much parity. Yes, you know, we have this and we don't have that, and every program is saying that, but you look at the coaches in this league, now I don't know a couple of careful guy he's, he's he's a hell of a football player we don't he's an unknown 
we knew Troy Taylor had already proven himself, you know. Um, but the coaches in this league and the players that we recruit, um, top to bottom, I mean, uh, it's wide open, you know. That's why that's how we approach the season every year. Bruce Barnum joining us, the head coach of the Portland State Vikings. And, Coach, uh, now that the boat ramps are closed, now that the baseball season's over for at the high school level, I mean, what are you what You got a good Netflix series to recommend to us, a good podcast? Like, what's going on on, on, on that front? Well, I discovered Netflix. My Brody, Brody's still in Pullman. He's, they might have a pro day or something for Major League Baseball, so Cooper's older brother's still over there. And he's got the count, and somehow he put it on my TV. And then when COVID hit, and I found it, and he told me what <laughs> buttons to push. And anyway, Ozark. Oh, um, okay. I, I watched every one of them. You know, the cartel stuff intrigues me, uh, just because there's so many guns and action, and it keeps you awake. Um, and right now, I've got into some. It's a little off, you know, a little fake, a little too fake, I should say. The Punisher. You know, it's this guy with us. It's a Marvel thing, which right. I don't understand, because there's more killing in that thing than I've ever seen in a comic book. But, <laughs> um, you know, I'm watching that one. Um, other than that, I watch 10 o'clock news to catch up, you know, on the latest, you know, deal with the virus and you know, the nation's decisions on things. And um, then I get up and... Sorry, we have some games on the back. We're rolling the ping pong table up. We got that, uh, the dough ball, bean bag, what's that called? The boneyard. The game where you throw the bags in the hole. The cornhole. 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 Uh, we got that on the back porch. You know, I've only, Cooper's the champ so far. Sean and I still haven't beat the little cuss, but, you know, by the time this is over, I'm sure I'll win a game of that. So, you know, it's back to, it's good to see my family. You know, football, th- this profession takes you away from what I'm experiencing right now. It's pretty cool. Well, I'll tell you what. I ended up uh, quarantined with a, with a couple of bags of Dots pretzels. <laughs> and, and, and I had not – I had. I got to be honest with you, I'd never had one. You know, I just – you know, I just – you know, okay, it's a pretzel. What? How good could it be? And – by God, if my family didn't tear through about five bags of that in a day and a half, they were just, we were loving it. So anyway, shout out to you for turning us on to the good stuff. Well, here, I'll, I'll do one better now. Are you guys interviewing all the coaches or not? We are, yes. I'll challenge all these guys. You can throw it out to each one of them. Text me, your guy, text me where I can send some stuff, and we'll make it a challenge of who can send you guys the best stuff. Okay. Oh, this is great. This is great. That uh, way we get pretzels from, from Barnum, and you can just announce it. I'll get it in the mail right away, and you can just can announce it. Barnum is sending pretzels and, and shirts. You know, what do we got going here, guys? Yeah, what, how, how, we, how many minutes do you want for your team? <laughs> That's right. Every, every, every minute of exposure, one more item goes into the box, right? That's Damn the right. deal. I love it. Uh, Coach, I'll tell you what, we appreciate it very much. We will send that challenge out to all the remaining coaches and uh, and see what comes of it. We wish you the best. Be be healthy and safe right here uh, during this time, and we, we can't wait for football to get back, man. No, you guys stay healthy. And I'm going to look at this phone because it, it ticks how many minutes you talk. You probably got – I know Colford didn't know that, but <laughs> – 
That's how many bags of pretzels are coming your way. <laughs> I love it. Well, thanks so much, Barty. We appreciate it, man, and we'll uh, we'll catch up with you soon. Stay healthy. The one and the only. Uh, head coach of the Portland State Vikings football team. That is our Opportunity Bank Coach's Corner, your local bank, your opportunity. Uh, I don't know exactly what it is, but it's over 20 minutes. 26 so, minutes. Was it 26? Yep. So so we're, we're expecting 26 bags of Dots pretzels, courtesy of Bruce Barnum. Yep, and uh, the challenge has been issued. So for Demario Warren, Rob Fennessy, Jeff Choate, Bobby Houck, who have already, and Dan Hawkins, who have already joined us on yep. the show, you can retrospectively send uh, – "Quote unquote stuff to to tell them so it's a challenge. So we'll see. Now here's what I want to know. Now Barney's going to send us a a box. We will receive this. You've already texted him the address. No question. How many other coaches, when they hear this, because this is expected from Bruce Barnum. Like I think it's going to be a if we received anything, if we received so much as like a Weber State koozie from Jay Hill, I would count it a massive victory, not because he's stingy or anything like that, but this just is not really his personality to start sending care packages in the mail to members of the media. Sure. So I, I'm wondering how many coaches are, are willing to meet Bruce Barnum on this and send us stuff representative of their you know universe whether it's you know swag or whether it's you know a, a food product of some sort for whatever reason it might be you know this is like the governors of states when they do these challenges you know when when you know whatever the, the Washington's playing Oregon and the the governor of Washington's going to send apples and Oregon's going to send I don't know what they're going to send up there hemp you know, something like that <laughs> from Oregon up to the state of Washington in, in for whoever's team wins. That's what this is like. But we got 13 coaches here. Some of who we've never met. We haven't met Ed McCaffrey yet. We have not Ed, he met doesn't, Ed McCaffrey. He will not understand the very important place that we occupy in the scope of the Big <laughs> Sky Conference. And so we will need to sort of make sure that they're aware of this and then say, hey, you know, Barney, he sent us, you know, 43 items, 27 of them were bags of Dots pretzels, and the other 14 were shirts and various other things. I don't know. I can't wait. It's like Christmas early. But I do hope that we could get some some traction on this thing, you know? That would be great. And in any case, even if he's the only one to do it. Thanks, thanks, Bruce. If if it's a challenge, it's a one-person deal, then I guess he'll win. That's right. He will win. When you think about what's important to you, Okay, and if you wanted to show someone uh, for whom you have care and love yes. that they matter to you, right? what would you send to them well, that's reflective of you that you really enjoy? Books. I uh, Okay. Specific book, a book that, re- that I think that you should read because I know you so well no matter who you are. See, that's the thing is that mm. giving it, giving so- you, if you want to give something to somebody, it's not somebody re- something that reflects you necessarily. No, that's why I'm that saying. I'm, I'm not them. talking about books that I like. I'm I, talking about books that you need to read. That's a terrible saying, idea. That's what I'm saying. Because you're giving someone a task yes, when bo- you give them a book. Books and eating vegetables, awful, <laughs> awful things to do to a Heaven person. Heaven forbid we'll miss out on Carol Baskin. Yeah. By the way, Tommy, yeah, no. did he, you see what uh, no. what Joe sent Carol? Nope, I'm over it. I'm done. I'm not doing. Have it. you have you followed at Gus to tell? Because there is a nice. Uh, I told you yesterday that there was going to be a uh, uh, a little related Twitter uh, sort of thread going uh, on on Tiger King at Gus to tell. No, I don't follow you because I blocked you. That's not true. 
I know that you follow me, but you haven't seen it. And if you had seen it, you'd have been all over it. And I encourage you because I really did this for you. And it took me a lot longer than it looks like to get the thing onto Twitter. This is a, a very long uh, uh, sales pitch as to yeah. why I should go look at your Twitter. It also has no disclaimer on it. So then you just see this uh, scared Neanderthal. I'm nature. looking at both of them right yeah. now. And then you also see that a, a picture of a, of a beautiful woman in a cat suit. And there's no context. Okay, much like this radio Carol show. Baskin is what you see a picture of, and then, you know, a reference to some amount of sardines on my front porch and my maybe being a little bit afraid. You know, should I be scared yet? I don't know what you're referencing. Well, you're, I'm referencing Tiger King. What I'm, do you mean you don't know what I'm referencing? The whole show is what I'm referencing. At Blackfoot, we're experts at keeping businesses connected to customers and communities. During this time, we want to help share our expertise with your business. From advising on remote workforce systems to assessing internet connections, we're here to help deploy the solution you need to continue supporting your customers. How can we help your business? Call 866-541-5000 or visit goblackfoot.com slash remote workforce to learn more. NFL old decade team revealed yesterday or Sunday, I guess. We went through the offense yesterday. We go through the defense now. And I want to let you know, the Silver Slipper, they're still rocking and rolling, and they are your beer, wine, and liquor stock-up headquarters. You've got all the toilet paper you could possibly need. Now, head over to the Silver Slipper and talk, stock up on what you really need. They also have Tarantino's Pizza to go. Silver Slipper has cocktails to go also, plus the liquor store has a happy hour. You ready for this? From 4 to 6. If two Telenuanas are on the air... Silver Slipper is having its happy hour. What does that mean? It means you, you get the employee discount on bottles of liquor. That's a great deal. They're open from 11 a.m. to 8 p.m. every day. They have the friendliest staff in town, even in the midst of a national crisis. At the Silver Slipper, they're all about great food, tasty beverages, and their urge to have a good time. So get over to the Silver Slipper and find what you're looking for. The liquor store is open. They got pickup food available Again, 11 a.m. to 8 p.m. with the happy hour from 4 to 6 every single day. Stop by the Silver Slipper and see why they are one of Montana's best-kept secrets across the street from Silver Wal- uh, from Super Walmart on Brooks. That's the Silver Slipper. Coulter, yesterday we spent some time taking a look at the offensive side of the all-decade team in the NFL, which was released over the weekend. We did not speak very much about the defense, so it seems like we should give equal opportunity to both sides of the ball. I thought yesterday's conversation was good because I thought there was very few controversial decisions on the all-decade team. I thought it was just more revelatory for the evolution of the game of football. You know, it, it, we kind of both thought, wow, are LaShawn McCoy and Frank Gore really two of the three best running backs of the last 10 years? And then you look at the numbers and you think that they absolutely are because most guys – either were flashing the pants or got hurt or a combination of both and the longevity 
plus the transcendence that it takes to be an all-decade type player, it really didn't exist, and it only meshed with one guy. That was Adrian Peterson. And then, I mean, the, really the only other controversies were maybe at tight end, but the receivers, the quarterbacks, cut and dry. The offensive line, exactly how I would have right. named them. And so I, I find that part um, I- interesting. But I thought that the, the defensive side here, too, um, Can I say one thing, though? Sure, to, certainly. To, to continue on, it also showed me the trend, if, if that's the right way to talk about it, of of the running back position in general, where yes. it has become, you know, almost not – there's certain guys who are going to be the lead ball carrier and maybe basically the exclusive ball carrier, but it is rare. And I would say two-thirds of the league now is insistent on a – backfield by committee and so having individuals doing what they've done is not nearly as prevalent as it once was even 10 15 and certainly before that going back in time years ago and so uh, I, I think that is part of what you see and you go oh man LaShawn McCoy yeah he was great for a couple years the fact that he's still doing it though I mean if you can be a starting running back of some sort where you are in the mix getting carries for eight seasons, you are going to be one of the best players of the decade at the position. It just it's it's all it's just certain, almostly certain that that's. Uh, did I say almostly? Almostly certain. Almostly certain uh, that that's going to be the case. But in any case, yeah, let's go over to the defensive side of the ball. I have a couple of thoughts here, but I'll let you lead off here with 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 some things that stood out to you. Well, I couldn't believe Julius Peppers wasn't a unanimous selection. <laughs> Absolutely, like who who is it? Who, who's doing these anyway? Who's who, who, is That's this a good question? Deal? Actually, we got to find out like what what the votes are. If it's if there's unanimous votes, the presumption is that it's not like the baseball writers where there's 400 or something of these guys doing the the Hall of Fame in baseball. I don't know how many votes you have for the All Decade team. I imagine it's you know some sort of of you know group of, of media and perhaps uh, other you know actual NFL folks. But you're right. I mean Julius Peppers not being being a unanimous guy. By the way, the defensive ends were Calais Campbell, Campbell, Cameron Jordan, Julius Peppers, and then J.J. Watt. And J.J. Watt was unanimous, and that is he rightfully should have been. Uh, the defensive tackles in this? Che- teams were chosen by the 48 members of the Hall of Fame selection committee. So this, okay. is, this is the same people that picked the Hall of Fame. John Clayton and various others. Like, I mean, it's a, it's a great group. So 48 is a, is a fair amount of guys to get unanimous, but I don't know, you know, Who's not putting Julius Peppers on the list? The defensive tackle, Coulter, is the the position that I'd like to point out. One is, first of all, Geno Atkins, Fletcher Cox, no doubters. Okay, no doubters. I'll come back to Aaron Donald in a moment, but the fourth one is Indomitian Sue. Yep. I'm a little surprised at that because— I'm not. Indomitian Sue is, first of all— Aaron Donald's the best defensive player in the NFL. Yep. But Aaron Donald also had two of his best years playing next to Indomitian Sue. Well, okay, but he also had the rest of his best years, which were all of them not playing next to Indomitian Sue. Indomitian Sue's an amazing player, man. I think that he's one of the guys that you really have to get over. It's what we always talk about, what we expect you to be, what we think you could be. And if you're not that, we think you're not good. And here's the thing, I he, love I mean, Indomitian He's one of the great players him, in the but, league. Mm, I just think... It's, it's just interesting to me the amount that he's bounced around and the impact that he has clearly been at times and then sometimes maybe not as much. I, I feel like he's he's been more feast or famine than I would have expected. The guy that I want to talk about, though, is Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald, if you sit here today and go, well, he's an all-decade player, you go, well, obviously he's an all-decade player. He's probably the best defensive player in the NFL. 
He was a unanimous choice defensive tackle, the only one that was a unanimous choice. He didn't come into the league, Coulter, until 2014. He's played six seasons, right. and he's on the all-decade team. Yeah. And he is – I mean, all I'm saying is it just shows how great this guy is that he's barely been there over half of the decade, and he makes this team, and he's the one guy at the position that was the unanimous choice. Unbelievable. I mean, this is my argument for transcendence, right? If Aaron Donald never played another down – He's still, in my mind, one of the three greatest defensive tackles in the history of football. Maybe the best. He is the best pass rushing defensive tackle in the history of the NFL. It's not, not close. It's not close. Yeah, not close. I mean, the guy, he's won multiple defensive player of the year playing three-tech. Yeah. I mean, that's very, very, very rare. There's only a few guys you could even mention in terms of the ability to actually collapse the pocket and also have defensive tackle responsibilities. Right. I mean, it's Warren Sapp, John Randall, and Aaron Donald. Really, I yeah. mean, in the history of the league already, and he's only been in the league for six years. But this is my whole argument with transcendence. This is why I thought Rob Gronkowski got shafted when it came to being a unanimous selection as well. Sure, Gronkowski retired before he was 30. He played nine seasons in the league. But when he was at his best, he's the greatest tight end that's ever played the game. He's the most unstoppable offensive weapon in football for mm-hmm. multiple years in a row. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, I think he has two of the three or maybe even three of the four most prolific touchdown seasons in the history of the league. When he was playing a full 16-game slate, I know part of ability is availability, but nobody could touch Rob Gronkowski. It's just like Aaron Donald. If he never played another down, he still, that moment in time when he won back-to-back defensive player of the year in the NFL, I mean, you can't touch it. He's already an all-time great. Right. By the way, there's only three unanimous picks in the defensive side. It's J.J. Watt, as we mentioned, and Aaron Donald. The other is Vaughn Miller. Uh, Vaughn Miller, a linebacker, along with Luke Keekley, Khalil Mack, and Bobby Wagner. By the way, speaking of, I mean, Khalil Mack is, is he 25? I mean, he's he's, he's only been... He's the, a little older than you I think. guess maybe 26, but he, he he's only been in the league a handful of seasons, too. And, you know, an all-decade player. Khalil Mack's 29. Oh, come on. Must have been, must have been, an old student at Buffalo. Well, he's been in the league for six years, same as Aaron okay. Donald. So, uh, you know, and again, absolutely should be on the list, but doesn't surprise. It's it, it just, it just again highlights what level that he has played at cornerback. Three of them. I also thought. I also thought this is a, an interesting uh, evolution of the game when it comes to the D line. For a long time, the 4-3 defense was just the standard defense that almost everybody run. And then now in the league, it's about 50-50, 3-4 4-3. And most of the best edge guys in the league actually play in 3-4s, guys like Von Miller. That he's Von Miller's actually technically an outside linebacker, not a defensive end. And I think that's why you see Von Miller land on the list as a linebacker, Cleo Mack. And, but those guys are edge. That's a specific position. Yeah, They can play with their hand in the dirt. A lot. Of, I think the common fan would say that guy's a DN because he's a pass rusher, but they're not. They're edge players. So that's a, an interesting evolution of the game. But then you also look at the three guys that were – three out of the four guys that were ends. Julius Peppers played in both a 3-4 and a 4-3 scheme. That's why he's so amazing. He could literally play every defensive line position besides nose tackle, and he did. I mean, he played inside in Carolina. He played inside and outside in Chicago. He played inside and outside. I mean, he's played everything, but he's more of a traditional 4-3 DN, a strong end in a 4-3 defense. But the other guys, Calais Campbell, Cameron Jordan, J.J. Watt, those guys play what they call the 4-I, the strong end in the 3-4. So that means you're not playing a wide 9-gap. You're not playing 7-gap. You're never playing on the edge. You're playing in between the guard and the tackle. That's the hardest position on the D-line to play because you're going to get 
double teamed by the two best and strongest offensive linemen from the other team. So the fact that those guys were able to forge production and a reputation playing a position that's traditionally supposed to be a sacrificial position, that's why J.J. Watt's so great, because yeah. he can play the sacrificial position and quote-unquote eat up blocks while still getting 18 sacks still a year. being hugely productive. And Cameron yeah. Jordan, I mean, Cameron Jordan, is is he can play both. That's what makes him so good. But then Clayus Campbell, he is the truest form of that guy who can play the three-tech, the five-eye, and the the wide nine all all at the same, not the same time, but within the same scheme. And that's what I mean. It's it's an evolution of the game thing, though, because those guys wouldn't be considered traditional edges. None of them would, right? But they all are DNs, and then the guys you consider traditional edges are linebackers. We'll finish this conversation on the other side right after this. Are you ready for a new truck? Get to Mildenberger Motors in Hamilton for the best deals on the best trucks: Duramax, Chevy, and GMC. At Blackfoot, we're experts at keeping businesses connected to customers and communities. During this time, we want to help share our expertise with your business. From advising on remote workforce systems to assessing internet connections, we're here to help deploy the solution you need to continue supporting your customers. How can we help your business? Call 866-541-5000 or visit goblackfoot.com slash remote workforce to learn more. Minute final segment. Sticking to the clock, baby. It's Tutel and Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio. If you missed anything in the show, check it out on the podcast, the Tutel and Nuanas podcast, available wherever you get your podcast. Search, subscribe, rate, review. Appreciate that. Podcast brought to us by Blackfoot, friends at Blackfoot. Getting that thing done. Mildenberger Motors in Hamilton, family owned for 65 years. Best prices on new and used. Cars and trucks only at Mildenberger Motors. Colter, we didn't get into the secondary in the all-decade team in the NFL. Three cornerbacks, three safeties, and then two DBs. The cornerbacks and the safeties are pretty uncontroversial to me. Patrick Peterson, Darrell Rivas, Richard Sherman, and then Eric Berry, Earl Thomas, Eric Weddle. you got to have uh, a name that starts with an E if you're playing safety in the uh, NFL at a high level. The DBs are surprising to me. Now, first of all, I'm not exactly clear. I mean, I guess a DB is just like some secondary guy who's pretty versatile, can do whatever, cover, rove in the safety, whatever that might be. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, these two guys, Chris Harris Jr. and Teron Matthews, because they both played multiple positions. Chris Harris is, is probably the best nickelback of the last 10 years, and then, but he could also play outside corner. So I think that's why they dubbed him as just the generic DB. Yeah. And Teron Matthew, I think, is... He's the pioneer of modern football. He's the pioneer of the the evolution of modern football in the college game, translating immediately to the NFL mm-hmm. game. In, in other words, he was drafted to play in the secondary somewhere, but he can play rover, he can play nickel, he can play dime, he can play strong and Whatever. free safety. Yeah. He, he just really can't really play boundary or field corner, but besides that, he plays every other position in the back seven. Here's what's crazy. Chandler Jones, Teron Matthew, and uh, Pat P. Yeah. All in the same defense. Yep. All in the all-decade team. And yep. the defense was never, like, it was good, but you it was never. You Super Bowl, right? Well, not with those guys. Not Chandler Jones or Matthew, no. Right. 
But I mean, here's the thing too, though. One thing, I mean, this, this is why relationships are all symbiotic, right? I mean, Aaron Donald owes a ton of his success to Dominican Sue. You can say he had success without him, but he had his most success with him. It's just like Chandler Jones owes a bunch of those sacks to Patrick Peterson. For sure. Peterson's the linchpin. He's the one that, I mean, Chandler Jones racking up all these sacks in Arizona the last couple of years is because Pat P doesn't let anybody catch a ball. Yeah. Um, by the way, there's all-decade coaches. I thought this was interesting. Bill Belichick, shocker on here. Um, not unanimous, Bill Belichick? Are we not doing the asterisks for coaches? Uh, and the other one, though, Pete Carroll. Now, if you start to think about the, the decade, okay, Pete Carroll goes to two Super Bowls and wins one of them. So that's fine. Not many other people other than Bill Belichick won a Super Bowl. I mean, uh, uh, Reed got his, but the, that wouldn't be considered. That is going to be part of the next decade, right? Twenty twenty. I mean, I guess well, it's, those the from the last, it's from the twenty nineteen season. season. But I thought Andy Reid is high on this list to me. You know, sir. He's. I mean, he's he's coached the whole way, been hugely successful the whole way. And when I say the I mean, whole John way, I mean, the last ten could years be in the mix. Too short, right? Four years? No, John, not Jim. Oh, Harbaugh. Jim. Oh, John, no, John Harbaugh. Harbaugh. Excuse me. Yeah, John yeah. Harbaugh won a Super Bowl and right. has also been to another. Yeah. And, John and the Ravens Harbaugh's have great. never really been bad. Mike Tomlin could uh, be on this yeah, list. They, he hasn't. They haven't been elite competitive though this decade as much as last decade. It's true. Haven't played in or or won a Super Bowl mm-hmm. this decade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, but I, I thought I thought. Look, I mean, nobody's going to argue with with Pete Carroll. I would think. I mean, the Seahawks has, have been. Maybe I mean I don't know if they've been the next best team after after New England it, taken as a whole over the last ten years, but but over the course of Pete Carroll's tenure, I mean they have been very very good to elite to then Super Bowl champions um, all the way through. So he he definitely deserves a lot of credit, but it's not that is an open conversation to me. It's not just so obvious that it's absolutely Pete Carroll. I think there's a handful of guys that could be you know have their names in that list as well. Yeah, that's an interesting discussion. We'll have that discussion tomorrow. The teams that had the most success this last decade, by and large, because I actually would love to argue with you how it wasn't the Seahawks, but the Seahawks get a lot of love in that element. I think that they're probably right there, but I think there's probably some other teams too. So I have uh, I have it queued up already. We'll do uh, best records of the decade. Mike McCarthy, the Green Bay Pat. Hey, Hugh Jackson. <laughs> Freddie Kitchens. <laughs> you and Freddie, probably not on the list the all-decade coaches. Boys and girls, thanks for being with us on this Tuesday. We hope you have a wonderful and safe Tuesday evening. We'll see you tomorrow. To tell Nuanas ESPN Radio. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia. When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org.